Welcome to the Sunday Message Podcast of Bethany Church in Fresno, California. We hope this message will encourage and equip you as you grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. If today's message helps you, share it with a friend. If you would like to know more about the ministry of Bethany Church, please reach out on Facebook or at BethanyChurchFresno.com. And now, here's this week's message. Well, if you have your Bible or your Bible app, you want to get that ready to uh, to look at in a little bit. We're going to be in the fifth chapter of Matthew to start with this morning. But hey, uh, some of you know that I was in a rock and roll band when I was in high school and, and early years of college. And um, it was an interesting time for me because when I was asked to be in the band, I was I was pumped. You know, to be asked to be in a band is always a cool thing when you're a high schooler. And uh, and it was a pretty good band. I mean, these guys had a good reputation. And I thought, oh, man, this is going to be really cool. And it was. It was fun. I found out uh, pretty early on that I was the only Christ follower in the band. Uh, it didn't make that much difference um, in terms of our music because we all were kind of hyper-focused on our, our goal. And our goal was to become famous become the, the best band in California and all this stuff, get a recording contract. Um, some of that actually came true. But what I, what I found out pretty quickly was in our downtime, when we were just kind of hanging out together, is that these guys really weren't like me much at all. Uh, or I should say I wasn't like them. Um, everybody in the band drank, except me. Um, everybody in the band smoked marijuana, except me. I tried not to inhale when I was close to them, all right? Um, but, uh, yeah, there were a lot of differences. Everybody had a girlfriend that they were sleeping with, except me. And I noticed right away that, that um, I was on kind of foreign territory. I enjoyed what I was doing band-wise, but... Life-wise, it, it didn't really fit with me. Um, I actually, I tried to witness. I, back then, that was in the late 60s, early 70s, I had a one-way T-shirt. And I would wear that during all of our, all of our gigs, all of our concerts and stuff like that. And, uh, and they would laugh at me. There was, a, there, there was a, an evangelist who came through the valley here. I don't know if you remember him or not. Most of you are too young to remember anything back then because you didn't exist. Um, but... His, his name was Bill Glass. He was a former football player, and he went out like Billy Graham and did evangelistic uh, crusades and stuff. And so, so the band got, came up with a nickname. They called me Bruce Glass. All right, and they made fun of me. They, they were kind, yeah, kind of, sort of. But uh, um, I remember one time we were we were asked to, to do a tour down to Los Angeles. Uh, there was a recording company that wanted to hear us, and they wanted certain people to hear us, you know, producers and things like that. And and so in the in the evening when we would kind of retire, I would always read my Bible. And I remember one night I was laying on my bed and I was reading my Bible, and there was a special singer that we had with us on this tour, and uh, he said, "Hey, what are you what are you reading there?" And I said, "Oh, just reading my Bible." I had a real small New Testament, and uh, he says, "Do you mind if I could see that?" I said, "Sure." So I I'd, I'd finished my reading. And I flipped it over to him and turned my light out and went to sleep. And next morning, you know, I saw that my Bible was on, on my bedstand there. That's cool. 
And, uh, and so we got our stuff in the van, getting ready to go back home. And, uh, the guys were starting to weigh in, you know, Hey, how's Bruce Glass today? And I, and my buddy who was staying with me, uh, he said, Hey, lay off of him. And I went like, Whoa, okay, okay. Well, I didn't see this guy again for years. And I'm going to tell you the end of the story at the end of the sermon. But, uh, yeah, to be different than the world is interesting. It's hard. That's what we do, right? We are in the world, but we're not of it. And so how do we do that? Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. We're talking about the words of Jesus, what Jesus said. And this is one of the things that he spoke. He said, starting in verse 14, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a light stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, I'm going to say a couple of very obvious things this morning. Okay, this is not revolutionary. It's not new news. This is very, very true. And the first obvious statement I want to make this morning is that light is different than darkness. Ooh, yeah, I better take a note on that one. Yeah. All right. We'll write that one down so I remember it later. Light is different than darkness. Now, as funny as that seems that it's so obvious, it's true. And Jesus says, you are the light of the world. So that implies very clearly that light is different than darkness. That you are different. You are different than the world we live in. You've been transformed. You've been changed. You are one of God's dear children, loved and forgiven and accepted. You are a child of the king. That makes you different than the world that you live in. Now, what's interesting about this is uh, Richard Stearns, I don't know if you know him, uh, he asked this question. He says, what if we uh, looked at the gospel as a virus? Now, we just came through pandemic. We're still kind of in it a little bit. We know about viruses. Now, he's going to make some pretty obvious statements here, but I want to quote him a little bit. He says, what if we what if we looked at the gospel as a virus? He says, here's how a virus works. When a real full strength virus enters our body, we get infected. It multiplies within our cells. It overwhelms our immune system and we get sick. And then we become contagious to others. And so the virus spreads to other people, repeats the cycle. But he says, scientists have learned that when a dead or a weakened strain of that same virus is injected into a human being, their body will develop immunity to that virus. Now stay with me here. So he, he, he says this, is it possible that we've exposed America to such a weak and anemic form 
of the Christian virus that instead of infecting our culture, we've actually vaccinated our culture against the real, authentic Christianity. Now you can go, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Is it possible that a weakened Christianity, a form of Christianity that really isn't that different than the world, has has become this vaccination. So people really, yeah, they're numb to it. They don't really care about it. They're vaccinated. I think, oh my goodness. It's possible. It's possible that people look at Christianity and they say, it's really not a big deal. It's not that different than the way we live. So if we're honest with ourselves, we know that Christianity in America has been in crisis for a long time. Um, Researcher David Kinnaman says this, young people are increasingly leaving our church. And right now, and this is a little bit older research, but it says four out of ten who are active in church report no church affiliation by their 30th birthday. So all those little kids that went out there, and we're so happy that there's so many of them, People in our youth groups, yeah, four out of ten, four out of ten will stick. So six out of ten, over half, are going to say, by the time they're 30, you know, it's not a big deal. And we have to ask the question, why is that so? Is it because the church they were part of was not really that different? The things they did there, the things they spoke about? Were they taught that they were different or not? Now, there's another interesting statistic. Our popularity among those outside the church fell from 85% positive rating in 1996 to just a 16% positive rating by 2006. And I couldn't find any more uh, ratings because uh, it, it's gotten so bad that they don't even print them anymore. In other words, people don't look at Christianity with a positive outlook. That's not new news. I mean, that shouldn't surprise any of us, right? But the point is, is that Christianity is not that popular and it's not really seen as that different than the way the world treats one another. Um, So people aren't buying what the church is selling. He says this, instead of letting our light shine in the culture, we have been shaking our fist at, at the culture. You can pick your issue, but the, in general, we've done a good job of showing people what we are against so good that they no longer know what we stand for. There's been so much polarization in the world, and it's getting worse and worse and worse. And if we as Christians only present ourselves as different in what we're and by telling people what we're against instead of being the loving influence for a lost and dying and hurting world, then we've got problems we've got to face. And so we have to ask ourselves individually these questions. Stearns, he suggests we are to be Jesus' ambassadors to spread the kingdom of God, to restore and repair every dimension of human life, reconciling people to God and to one another. We are to become a healing balm on the sore of society. Uh, Sores like poverty, disease, hunger, injustice, exploitation. 
We should be drawn to the hurting and the marginalized. See, we need to be that kind of different. Not finger pointers, not the ones who point out all the bad in the world, but the ones who come into the world in a self-sacrificing way to say, I am willing to be like Jesus, to leave the comfort of my home, to go where I'm not going to be accepted, to make a difference to those who have the greatest need. Light is different than darkness. So, what's the problem? 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 5 says this. It says, Mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, there's that vaccination, a form of godliness, but denying its power. He says, have nothing to do with people like that. That's quite a list. That's That's a heavy list, isn't it? But boy... Does it ring true? That's the world we're living in today. Well, the answer, Romans 12, 2 says this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. So put that one scripture right there and read all those bad things and say, okay, don't be like that. Now we can point fingers at each other and say, well, you're like this, you're like that, you're like that. That's not what I'm asking us to do today. I'm asking us to focus on the good and, and look at Romans 12 too. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It starts with thinking differently. It says, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. We've said it many, many, many times. Jesus came to save the world from dying, from disintegrating, from all of those bad things that we just read. But he's doing it because he loves us, because he's good to us, and he's trying to draw us into being a different kind of people that are good and pleasing. And that's for us and for those that we touch. Ephesians 5, 1 through 20, uh, 1 through uh, 5, 1 says this, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love. Just as Christ loved us, and get this, and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. When we walk in the room, we should be different, but it should be a refreshing difference. Okay? It should be something that that when people know that you're present, they know you're different, but they're actually happy that you're there. Because you're refreshingly different. You're kind, you're generous, you're loving, you're not judgmental. You have the spirit of peace about you, and you'd like to promote peace with others. They, they may shake your head and think, boy, this person is really different, and that's weird to them, but it's weird in a really good way. See, that's the witness. The Bible says that love draws people to God. 
And so it's sometimes a, a huge sacrifice for us to do that. It's a sacrifice to be in the world, but it's also a sacrifice to have the courage to be kind and to be compassionate and to be generous and caring to those that we mix with. It's different. It's different. Now, uh, another obvious comment here, right? Light is actually seen better in the dark. Right? You can write that one down too if you want. Right? (laughs) It's true. If if you lit a flashlight right now, if you've got your your iPhone or or whatever phone you use, and you turn that light on right now and shine it, it's really not making a, a whole bit of difference. Right? But if you take that into... Thank you. You just did that, right? I saw that little light, though, but you have a black dress on. So that's, you know, that's, that's why I saw it. Yeah. So you, you have this, this concept, then, that we're supposed to let our light shine. As a matter of fact, if you go back to the first verse we read, let your light shine so people can see your good deeds and glorify God. A couple of things that are embedded in that verse. One of the things is that there is an intentional idea that God wants us not to abandon the world. It's a good thing to be involved with other people who are non-Christians. A lot of, lot of research has shown that by the time a person becomes a Christian, after about four or five years, they lose all their non-Christian relationships. They make friends with other Christians and they hang with them. And there's this thing, you know, don't want to get tainted by the world. And so they, they withdraw. And then at some point they lose contact with non-Christians. And some actually do that intentionally. I don't want to be around other people like that. Well, the truth is, is that God says, I want you to be in the world. I expect you to be out there. Because that, that darkness is enveloping people at a very rapid rate. People are dying. People are not, are, are not responding to the gospel mainly because maybe we are not even there. Right? So we have to find ways to be intentional about connecting with unbelievers. It's interesting. Um, Jesus was teaching near the Sea of Galilee one time. And less than 100 miles to the south in the River Jordan, uh, there's on the western side, there lives a community there called the Essenes. The Essenes were well known for the fact that they had withdrawn from the world. They cloistered themselves. They became a monastic society. And when Jesus said, let your light shine before others, one commentator said that uh, he believed Jesus was maybe thinking of them. And maybe he even made a side glance in their direction, kind of referring to these people. Don't be like them. Don't withdraw so far into your own Christian bubble that nobody is able to even see the difference. So here's the challenge. In John chapter 3, it says this. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light. Because of their deeds were, because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. There is a problem in that people, and I, I tell, when I used to be a youth pastor, I would tell kids this and the parents would go, 
Ooh, don't say that. And here's what I would say. Sin is fun. You know, if sin were broccoli, we wouldn't have a problem with sin, right? But sin has a pleasure to it. Otherwise, we wouldn't be involved in it. There is, there is pleasure, the Bible says, in sin for a season. But that season, it runs out pretty quick. And, and it says here that, that people, they don't like the light because they love darkness instead. And so if people are withdrawing from the light, we have to advance into the darkness. We have to be intentional about trying to connect as much as we possibly can with those who don't know Jesus. And so if you go home today and you start thinking about it, you go through the life application, you wonder, wow, where am I connecting with non-Christians? You know, it might be in some very obvious places. You know, when you go to the grocery store, is the clerk, I mean, I know that they're, they don't have to really, you know, I'm sorry if you're a clerk, okay? I'm not trying to be insulting, but you know, you just kind of go beep, 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 Right? In the old days, they had to actually look at the price and go, okay, you know. You can actually carry on a conversation with, with a clerk. You can. You can tell them they look nice. You can say, hey, where do you, li- you live around here close? Um, I see you have, you know, have an accent or where, you, where, you, where do you come from? You know? I mean, we did that uh, several times. And, and we, we found out that this person was from uh, the Eastern Bloc country, you know, Russia, Ukraine area. And what was very interesting is that she had come over and trying to make a way so that she could get enough money to bring the rest of her family over. Okay. And we said, wow, you know, is there any way we can help you? You know, do, do you have, do you uh, go to a church? We asked her. No, I, I don't. And I said, well, you know, we had some Ukrainian people in our church that spoke Russian. So we'd love to connect you with them. You know, we found out what her her hours were, and we only went to the grocery store while she was working. I remember one time we were there, and she had a longer line than the other clerk. The clerk said, well, you know, come over here, come over here. I said, no, thank you. You know, we're staying right here because we want to talk to her, okay? And we did it intentionally. Now, is that a little uncomfortable? Is it a little bit weird? Of course, I'm weird, but that's that's the way it works, Okay is that we have to be intentional. We have to be on the lookout for people who may be in the world but are are different. We don't know if they're Christian or not, but we want to connect with them. And I've talked to you before about that. You know, maybe join a club or do whatever. Some of you guys go to a gym. Talk with people, right? Now, the third thing I want to say here that's obvious is that light requires an energy source. Okay? If you've got that cell phone, I mean, uh, yeah, your cell phone, and uh, what do you do? Eventually, it's going to run out of juice, right? And I think that we actually have some some little juice boxes for cell phones that we can connect with them. They're even at the information center. They say Bethany Church on them. They're really cool. You should give 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 some away to some people, you know, right? But uh, it requires an energy energy source. So Acts four verse thirty three says, "With great power, the apostles continued to testify the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all." What's our power source? Well, we know what it is. It's God. 
It's Jesus in us. It's the Holy Spirit who's planted into our heart. You and I have all the power that we need to be a witness, a light in the world. You do. And it's not about memorizing a bunch of verses. It's not about having enough tracks in your purse to be able to hand out. It's just about being the kind of person that God wants you to be. That's it. And you'll be different in the world. Let me give you a few verses here. John 8, 12 says this. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Will have the light of life. Now, see, this is this is like just walk very close to the guy that has the flashlight. Right? You're in the darkness. You need someone to stand next to. Be as close to Jesus as you possibly can because he is the light of the world. So make sure that your walk with God is tight. Second Peter 1, 3 says this, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Wow, that's amazing. You have every single thing that you need for a godly life. It says through our knowledge of him. It's about knowing who Jesus is and as you read about Jesus, it, it's really not that many pages, people. You know, what? You got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, right? Talks about Jesus. Just look at his life. Listen to his words. Get involved in who Jesus is. And the more and more and more you know about Jesus and how he acts and reacts with other people, you'll see quickly that he was a light and you can be like him. John 17, 11, Jesus prays this. We, we, we went over this in detail in one sermon. Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. He's talking about getting the power from God to maintain our unity of purpose and of structure so that we can hang together and we can encourage each other to be out there in the world, the light of the world, to transform people so they can become like Jesus too. Romans 15, verse 13 says this, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with a hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. One thing that people need in this lost and dying world today is hope. So if we can bring a little hope into their life, that their life can be transformed and can be different through the power of God, God says you have the power to to help do that. One more, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. God says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power, get this, is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I'll boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest in me. You know, if you say, I I just, I can't do it. I say, that's right. But God can do it through you. Right? Right? You don't have the, the ability. You can't, you know, you're afraid to talk in public. You're not that great with this, that, or the other thing. You know what? Your weakness may be your, your best, best option to lead with because that's where God is showing you up. He's helping you through that. When you were weak, God was strong, and that is a tool for witness. Now, let me tell you about uh, this guy that I just threw my Bible at and let him read it in the evening, right? I mean, he, he knew me because we had done a lot of, of stuff together musically. Um, I walked into a Denny's. Don't hold that against me, all right? I walked into a Denny's 
And um, at the count, I was, I was, you know, waiting to be seated. And, uh, and there was a guy at a counter, had short hair, and I could tell he, he had a, looked like what looked to me like a Bible open in front of him. And I could tell very clearly that he was witnessing to the guy at the counter. He looked vaguely familiar. Now, this, this guy that I tossed my Bible to, he had long hair. I mean, it was, it was like middle of his back and stuff, and it was really frizzy. And um, this guy, his hair was super short, but it was frizzy. I couldn't help myself. You know, I, I walked over to the counter, and I said, Reed, is that you? He turned, and he saw me, and his face lit up, and it was him. And he says, Bruce, I haven't seen you. Man, I've been praying that God would let me connect with you. He says, I got saved. And he says, you were the first guy that I ever saw that was different. Remember that night that you tossed me your Bible? He says, that was the start. Now, he didn't accept Christ um, until years later. And this was like five years later, okay? And yet here, the light that was just shown, it, it took. And then he now was what? He was sharing his faith with somebody else. And, and I kept in touch with him. He more than did that. He got involved in a church and he helped a lot of people, disciple a lot of people. Now, that wasn't me that did that. That was God that did that, right? I mean, there have been surveys, uh, many of them have been taken and said, you know, it takes seven or eight times before a person really gets it, hearing about the gospel, hearing about Jesus. And so don't be afraid that you might be number one or number three or whatever. You, you might be lucky enough to be number seven or number eight and, and pray with that person to lead in the faith. The point is, we have to believe that light is different than darkness. That light is seen better in the darkness. And that we have the power that we need to shine. We do. So let's shine, all right? I'm going to ask you to bow with me and pray while the team comes up. And I'm going to pray a prayer that is from Ephesians chapter 3. It says this, I pray that out of God's glorious riches that he may strengthen you with the power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ Jesus may dwell in your hearts through, through your faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have the power together with all of God's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could even ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Thanks for listening. Know that God loves you more than you can imagine. And for everything Bethany Church, check out BethanyChurchFresno.com.